This is a Rooster Teeth production. In the modern era, large-scale robberies feel like something out of the movies. With the advent of technology, it would seem impossible that anyone could organize and commit a surgically precise nationwide heist. But that brings us to today, where we're going to break down two confounding heists, the 7-Eleven ATM heist of Japan and the MTA heist of Brooklyn, New York. This is Red Web. Task Force, welcome back to another episode of Red Web, the show all about mm, true crime, cryptids, conspiracies, the unsolved, the unknown, the inquisitive. The occasional movie reference. And many movie references. (laughs) I'm Trevor Collins, and that is Alfredo Diaz bringing his gut check, as always, coming in blind, asking those questions, digging in. Never knowing what's what's up next. (laughs) Task Force, he's your proxy, and I hope you're proud of him. Through me, mm-hmm. you will ask the questions. Yes. He sends out like a spirit bomb into the future. That's true. So when you think your questions while listening, he's capturing them live here in the studio. Mm-hmm. Think I- of me as Charles Xavier, okay? Oh. And as Cerebro. And I'm we got reaching Cerebro out all- with oh. our task force headquarters now? Oh, okay. It's expensive, but we got one. <laughs> the, the, the reverb is terrible. But uh, But, Nickbot finds a way to tamper that down. You know, we got our AI editor in chief. Okay, (laughs) so today we've got um, we got another heist situation on our hands. We were really stoked on the uh, art heist episode we did two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And so we wanted to double dip. Today we're going over two heists that you probably have never heard about, but are super intricate and super interesting. Oh, we got one that takes place across Japan. And then we have one that takes place in the heart of Brooklyn in the subway system. Damn, okay. You know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do something a little different. I'll what? do a little choose your own adventure here. I'll let you oh! pick between the two. Where do you want to start? Oh! Jillian, how do you feel? Hold on. I want to make sure we don't break your outline because I want to respect the research that was uh that precedes us. Jillian, how do you feel? They're very separate. So either one. Do you have any advice for Fredo as he dives in? Do you have any do you want to nudge him in a certain direction? Hmm. One of them is like, whoa. One of them is like, huh? <laughs> oh, that's, okay. that's, a I mean, that's, actually, that's actually pretty perfect. That's a perfect way to say it. Let's okay. go with the whoa. Okay, Jillian, translation? That is the subway one. Oh, awesome. In my opinion. There we go. I, I would have been happy either way. <laughs> right. Because uh, they're both really interesting. But one is, yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I'm going to leave it to that, how that Jillian said it. That actually worked out really well. It's I was perfect like, a, the way. She, yeah. Anyway, okay, so let's dive into the. Whoa. Okay, so this is the MTA heist. It starts off with Benjamin William and John Kenny. They were the supervisors of MTA, the subway system agency, and they worked at 370 J Street in Brooklyn. MTA, by the way, is the transit authority headquarters in as far back as, well, is it still present to the present day, Jillian? Yes. Well, no, it's not, it doesn't, it's not there no more. It's not there anymore, but this is in 1979 when this went down and it was the agency at that time. So, again, at this very time, MTA kept the money from the subway fares physically on site in what was nicknamed the money room. Very different than today when everything's digital and plastic yeah. and loans and debt. Uh, this was straight up a money train would stop by each station in order to pick up the fares oh, so that it's they like had accrued that day. Dedicated you know? train? Yeah. Do you think it was decked out and- like it was gold plated and it had spinning rims? 
wild. What are they, the task force? Like, just spending money on stuff that <laughs> <Yeah>. they should? <laughs> well, hey, that's how we pull up to the office every day with our spinning rim trains. But okay, so essentially what this did was it went by each of the stations in order to pick up the fares on a set schedule because everyone was paying with money yeah. and they needed to physically grab that so no one station was overflowing with cash. And then they would hike that back to the MTA headquarters, which had its own dedicated station right below the headquarters, which it would have it, it would all be stashed there and secured with armed guards. But what happened was on July 23rd, the two men that were headed into the building for work that day, you know, they were doing their routine, going through their rounds, checking out the money vaults, as it were, probably smelling the bills, getting a few couple like flips of the Look, deck. I you know? do it at least once. Um, you gotta get a good whiff. Come on. As dirty as it might be, as many hands as it might've gone through, but, you know, they're just checking that everything is in order. And to their surprise, a large amount of money was missing from the money room when they did inventory as early as 9.37 in the morning. Oh, the actual room itself, not like along the route. Yeah. Ooh, oh, yeah. that's big. Deep in the heart Damn. of the whole system, not on the train, not at yeah. the stations, in the heart. All right. Whoever took it went big, and they, you know, go yeah. bigger home, they went big. Okay. You would think it'd be easier along the route. But yeah, I hit the source. Mm-hmm. Right, because there's a lot of loose ends along the way. But when you go right. straight to the, this is some sort of like Ocean's Eleven situation. Like you're going for the, the heart of the beast. The vault. You know, someone's sneaking in and avoiding lasers and stuff. So, in total, and we'll have to check this out with inflation. But in total, the thieves left with about six hundred thousand dollars, which Jillian's looking up what it clear is. Clear a million. Then. Oh, easily. Easy. While she looks it up factually, I'm going to go ahead and say that's a fire from the hip, 15 mil. Damn. Inflation hit that hard? That's my guess. Jeez. What's your guess? 1979? 600,000? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say uh, 10 mil. Okay. Okay. Your price is righted me. 2,415,000. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, inflation didn't hit that hard. We, uh, we threw we, it. We, we shot for the moon. Yeah, well, okay. So anyway, they left with $600,000. And there's a few interesting notes regarding that amount. And that we'll dive into in just a second. But this was about 120 pounds worth of dollars. Not like UK pounds. I mean like weight pounds. Because there were about 60 stacks of $10 bills, each of them containing about 1,000 bills. And so that's when you put it all together, it's about 120 pounds of heft to have stolen from this room so whoever's running around they're not you know they're not nimble on their feet they're dragging these bags true a lot less heavier than i thought it would be though i feel like a couple people can manage that yeah yeah like, I, if, you're, if you're like hey i need you to transport six hundred thousand, and be like "Ooh, what are the bill size you said dollars they were ten dollar denominations ten, oof, so if it like, was like a hundred dollar denomination right. 12 pounds you you can sprint off with some 600k yeah easy yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it is. But interestingly enough, right, 600000 does seem like a lot. And it is. But comparatively, in this room, this room is known to hold sometimes millions of dollars worth of dollars. What? <laughs> of money? Of dollars of money? Either way, this room is known to house upwards of millions of dollars. And so it's interesting that that's as much as they walked away with. So question. Yes. Did they choose to walk away with that much or was it that much that day Ooh, good question we'll dive in with a not exact answer but i think this will help okay. a little bit 
Unless, Jillian, do we know how much was in that room that day? Because we know some was left, right? That's a good question. Let me look. Yeah, if so you, while, while Jillian's looking up the exact amount, essentially, and this is a professor at CUNY, Andrew Sparberg, he said, quote, other money was there, but this money, the stolen money, apparently had already been packaged for delivery to the bank and subsequently was gone. Oh, there's already packaged nicely for them to just exactly. walk away with it. So oh. that answers why they walked away with that set amount because Makes it was sense. already prepped. But yes, I am curious as to what the total might have been. Okay, this is from the New York Times from that year. They said the room had another safe with $616,000 in $1 bills and vaults containing $3 million to $4 million and six and 50 cent tokens and coins. Oh, oh God! So, so they like have a vault within a vault, or a vault that held a bunch of vaults. That's interesting. That's kind of how it is. Yeah, we got a map. Oh, so they, we got the yeah, we got a map here. We got so we there's some bait money. They're like, we'll leave that one out in case anyone happens to steal today. Oh, they did. Uh, I'll but be also, honest. That's a little uh, courteous uh, with the bait money. <laughs> sure, but I will also say that the other six hundred thousand was in one dollar denominations. Oh, Just mathematically, that's going to be twelve hundred pounds <laughs> for the same amount. And then the uh, the millions, it sounded like, were in coins. Yeah, and then they had, like, another million from the weekend, like, the weekend fairs. Yeah. I feel like that's a choose-your-own-adventure in its own sense. Right. Like, do you take 600,000 and it's lighter, or maybe a very ever so slightly more than 600,000 and it's much heavier, or you go for the big jackpot and it's impossibly heavy. Right. And then you're and then you're just slogging it. Hoping yeah. you got, you know, the pay dirt. Like, what, it's actually just like, like Scrooge McDuck. millions of pennies. And you're like, that's ten thousand dollars. <laughs> that's like the frustration of having to pay that. Ugh. Or just like count it out. Mm-hmm. You gotta go to the bank and get all those like uh, paper rolls or stuff. Oh make. yeah. <laughs> but uh, another thing that Andrew Sparberg said was that there was no sign of forced entry. And so that's pretty interesting. Police arrived on the scene and FBI started getting involved, of course. But somebody else had this to say, quote, This was the most heavily guarded room in America. It had a dedicated train, a money train, that drove right into the building. The money was put with armed guards on an elevator up just one floor. It was airtight, the highest security you could imagine. And that comes from Richard Edmonds from the New York Daily News. Typically, you'd have to meet two guards at a checkpoint before unlocking the counting room which preceded the room where the money was contained. So I think that's a good time to show you kind of the layout of this money room. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, for all the visuals, Task Force, we'll be putting those on our Twitter page, at RedWebPod. Come check it out. Money room, police checkpoint, counting room, hole in wall. Mm -hmm. Uh, Spoiler. It is a spoiler, but that's fine. React accordingly. I I gave it to you. Yeah. Wait, hold on. (laughs) Just right next to the ladies' locker room. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So you go from the elevators. They went past an office, TA police desk, into the ladies' locker room. Then a hole in the wall. I got... um, All right. You're loaded up. You're filled to the brim with questions. And then... Interesting. Yeah. Like an inside, it's supposed to be like an inside job. It, it that's, a, that's so feels, much security. It feels very much like it. Interesting that the ladies' locker room is sharing a wall with uh, a secured facility. And then I guess, how did people figure that out? You know? That's inside job? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So with regards to the checkpoint that unlocked the counting room, there was a key to that room, and that lived in a separate safe. So basically, there's security on security measures here. 
There were also two supervisors inside the money room and each supervisor had half the code to the safes. So basically combined, they would have the full code and the code was changed every time someone retired or left the department. So that way there could be no loose ends. Oh, smart. Right. Nobody that retired came and did this. You know, grandpa's still hanging out. Mm -hmm. you know, he's not He's not saying, you know what? I'm going to heist my yeah. old job. I sell the codes on eBay. <laughs> and also none of the safes were broken into. So again, your early theory that this Meaning might be inside jobs. Inside job. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. you know the walls like that? So in the investigation, 700 employees at MTA headquarters were fingerprinted and many of them were interviewed, obviously trying to find this person. They give me your fingerprints and we're going to see if they happen to show up in a secure area. Mr. Guy. 700 people. 700 MTA headquarters. That's a lot employees. of possible loose lips. Oh, yeah. Reportedly, one employee did not pass a lie detector test when being interviewed. So there you go. There's perhaps yeah, but your those, loose lips. Those, from what I heard, not the most reliable. Mm. But I mean, I guess like in 19, what, 79? Mm -hmm. What else did they really have, right? I guess during that time that they were like, the lie detector. I'm just assuming this is our greatest yeah. achievement in busting balls. <laughs> <laughs> and, and getting to the bottom of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, that's a good question. Because otherwise you have, which is... The lie detector test, even today, is is certainly not infallible, right? Yeah. There are there are issues with it. It's not always a hundred percent accurate. You'd be trained to um, get past it too. Yeah. Otherwise, you got the ocular pat down. You got people that are trained <laughs> in body language. That's true. We'll break I mean, you down to see thing. like I don't know. It's he's like, sweating ooh, out of his left earlobe. Maybe that's look uh, at that little just that slight eye twitch as ooh, I mentioned yeah. mayonnaise. He's looking up into the left when that it's mayonnaise true. comes on the table. What does that mean? <laughs> This man loves mayonnaise. George Arts, former mayor's secretary, told Inside Edition that 10 persons of interest were investigated and there was no change in lifestyle, which would indicate that they had extra money. Basically saying that the 10 people that came up as, let's look a little closer, nothing changed. The way they went about their life, the things they bought, etc., etc. Which, of course, if you were suddenly flush with cash, you might be like, well, maybe I get that new Benz. Right. Mm -hmm. Or you just sit on it. Or you just sit on it. You just sit on it and see what happens. Oh, right. Inflation is going to eat away at it. But still, but it's like... You heisted money. Heisted you know? money. Like, what else are you going to do? It's money right. you didn't have before. And even with inflation eating at it, you still have a lot of money. Right. So the FBI believed that three to six or so people must have been involved with this crime in order to facilitate what they think went down with, with the heist. But no one was ever arrested for this robbery. And two months later... Two money bags were found in a hotel room in New Jersey. But again, no other leads were found. Do we know, Jillian, who might have booked this hotel room that these were found I in? I didn't find anything about that. That's wild. See, this is how we create unsolved mysteries out there, folks. Task I force, anybody looking to get into the investigative business? Mm-hmm. Start asking these questions. I guess they just Write these notes down in your little pad. up. And I mean, this is like predates internet, right? So you show up, you got cash, you get the key. True. Right? Right. You could just say, hey, I'm John Smith. Yep. They're like, you look like a John Smith. Right. You write it down on a paper manifold. Mm -hmm. You know, one of those giant hotel book guest books. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. And that's that's the records. Then, right. And No digitization, just, oh. let alone internet. Uh, probably no computer Where did they just leave the bags there, though? Yeah. Do we know anything more, Jillian, about, like, the circumstances around that? or is It just says. Totally fine. We're found in a New Jersey motel. 
Most I don't. I don't have the guts for that. I, I've for months and months. I'd be waking up cold sweats. Think I'll pull some kind of evidence <laughs> from these bags. I know it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be terrified. I'd sneezed take it, on it. I take it with my me. amoebas. I go grab it like a duffel bag and shove them in there or something. Right. No. Like I just wouldn't want to leave it. I feel like it's minimal effort to get that out of there. Well, that's where we're at. That's the heist. However, one thing did happen before we head to the theories section. Sanford Gerlich, chief of transit authority security, was fired. So somebody lost their job over this because, I mean, I whatever went down, it happened on their watch. Rightfully so. You kind of, that's like, that's your job. Mm-hmm. Gerlich's office, for what it's worth, is in this same floor plan. So I'll do my best to kind of describe what's going oh, down that was here. The office. So, couldn't quite. Yeah. So. Uh, just in case you don't have access to Twitter or what have you, or our YouTube channel where you can see kind of some of the visuals we reference, there is a kind of bay, very movie-esque, where it's like four elevators opposite of four other elevators. Just a bay of elevators. Walking out of that little area, just to the left, you have Gerlich's office, just right there. And outside of that office, you have the TA police desk. If you come around to the right, you have what I imagine are the men's and women's lockers. Women's being the second on the right, men's being, I'm assuming, the first. This one's not labeled here. And then past the locker room, you have the TA police checkpoint and the cage. Essentially, your security begins heavily right there in order to get into the money room, which is beyond that checkpoint. Now, what they're assuming went down, and I'm sure we're going to discuss some of this in the theory section, so I'm jumping the gun a little bit, is they presumably went from the elevators through the ladies' locker room, busted a hole in the wall, which then allowed access into the counting room, which was just next door, shared a wall. Mm -hmm. And then uh, through a door was the money room with various vaults. I'm just so interested. The hole in the wall. What a play. You know what I mean? We will get to it for sure. Okay. In the, in the, cool. in the, it literally helps your theory too. It's the inside job theory. Damn. So yeah, what'd, yeah. You, what'd you use? How big was the hole? Like, mm -hmm. oh, we'll, we'll get into it. Right. We'll get in there. Yeah. But let's talk about the first theory. It's a little simpler, and it states that, um, or it's theorized that whoever stole this money from the money room took it into the offices of the building and subsequently threw it out the windows, which is why there's A, no trace, no change of life as far as, or lifestyle, I should say, as far as any of the prime suspects. And also, it's in the wind. Wait, threw it out the window from where? What room? The money room, I think, had windows. Why did it have a window? Well, this says they took it up into the offices of, of the buildings, but you're right. If the money room has windows. I think the money room had windows. Some faults. Why do you got a window in the money room? Right. I feel like that's the easiest way to go through. <laughs> you're right. Go through the window. <laughs> but I might be wrong. I might be wrong. Essentially, if they threw the money out to the wind, out the window, I don't think they opened the bags and let the breeze take it. I think they threw it out as a lump. Yeah. They would have to have someone outside waiting for it. So that way you could sneak down in your that's building. That's an easy transfer job Come right back there. up and chuck it. Right. You would look like you never left your office. You might, you know, then divvy that money up accordingly. Oh, my goodness. Keep your lifestyle. Oh, there's no way. Yeah. Jillian looked that up. There's no way there was a window in that. Let's get our buff scientists on this because we will need a buff scientist. Uh, buff 120 pounds of money being thrown out a window. It would be quite difficult. Scientist number one, Jillian. <laughs> but truly, though, seeing a 120 pound set of bags coming out the window would be hard to go without a single witness going, yeah, um, about that time of day, I saw a bunch of bags right. falling out the window. Unless it was to towards an alley or something like that. But 
that's even worse. I mean, yeah, maybe <laughs> we built this window in this here's like, the money room, money room with <laughs> millions of dollars. And hey, we made sure the window looked out into an alleyway, right into an alley hidden no, behind a dumpster. No, I don't believe. I don't buy it. There's yeah. so many things like FBI losing evidence. Well, imagine got like tossed that. into a pillow there's, truck. There's you no know? way. Like one of the most secure air, like what yeah. places in America? In America, say, yeah. had a faulty window. Mm-hmm. I don't think the window is what we're talking about, though. Yeah. I don't think it was thrown out any windows. Those are hypothetical. But the money room was on the second floor, so it's possible. It says it was broken up into vaulted areas with visibility sometimes obscured by bars. Windows open onto outside streets. Mm. There were windows. So They're barred up. Out to the but... streets. You know, if you, if you got a guy going up a lofty ladder, trying to rip through those bars Hulk style, and then carving... Uh, very delicately etching the glass in a circle fashion so you could reach in. I'm oh. sure like the whole street's going to be like, yeah, there's a guy. Yeah. You, you probably can't open those windows. Yeah, you probably can't open those windows. Well, that I'm sure the building's the, old enough. I'm sure they're painted over anyway. So yeah, that whole go. like, <laughs> that like uh, etch that circle, it's always so satisfying to oh, look yeah. at. And, and then movies. they go, Dink. yep. And I'm like, oh man, that's yeah. nice. Would they, cut, would they use that with it? Like a diamond to cut it? It's usually like someone's really sharp nail. Oh. Yeah, that's what I see in the cartoons. Painful. Yeah, they just... Take their, they go, they right, bite their they nail get, a little bit, a they go, long one. and then they, another theory that, you know, we don't have much other information on is that the money could have been split up within the locker room once pulled out through that hole in the wall, divvied up accordingly, maybe worn on someone's persons, and then these extra bags were just like dropped off at a hotel or forgotten or someone fled in some way, you know, out of nerves, I don't know. It could also indicate the fact that there is a motel in Jersey that housed two of these bags. It could say that maybe these people f were from interstate, not local, and kind of came into town to do this bus, and then out they went. Which then kind of says, is this an inside job, or was it a combo of inside and outside? So let's talk about that. Let's talk about your theory, because I do like it. Aren't there, Was this an inside job? Go ahead. Aren't the monies necessarily, like, tagged, too? I mean, not that, like, you know, every corner store or whatever is like counting the looking right. for the digits that they're posted but theoretically right yeah i mean there's serial numbers on it yeah. and i don't know if they're like we mark the serial number of every bill or the top bill right i don't really know yeah i don't know and i'm that's that's just a dead end but i was just there's my, a lot of my mind putting myself in the situation i'm like right. oh man i want to spend this and they're gonna track right. it down and be like this was the serial code on one of the bills that was taken. And I mean, it happened in D.B. Cooper. That's true. We talked about that one. Yeah, they they basically, did. when that money was disappeared, they, they were said, shooting that out, right? The list? Yes. Yeah. They, they, they released a huge list of a bunch of the serial codes because as they garnered the money, they wrote them all down, gave them to the interesting individual known as D.B. Cooper, and off into the night he flew. I don't remember much anymore, but uh, I don't think many of those serial numbers came up as in none of that was spent. So it yeah. raises only more questions. I highly encourage you to check out that episode we did many months ago. It's a but, good one. Uh, very good mystery. So let's talk about this being an inside job. The FBI and the MTA employees believe that the robbery must have been an inside job, just given the security, given the proximity, and given the fact that this whole thing went down at the headquarters of all places. Yep. None of the weak points, literally at the center of the security. When you were first telling me about this mystery, like right off the bat, I was like, oh, at some point during the transfer, that's when it was hit. Mm, right? Yeah. Like they stop at each station, maybe while mm -hmm. they're out picking up those bags, someone sneaks right. on, looks both ways, grabs a couple. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. I also thought when I was uh, reading this early when it said thrown out the window, I thought somebody was like got back on the train and started chucking bills out the window or something. Like, ah. Spreading the, the love. But uh, no. But the window theory is crazy because like it's like 120 pounds. Yeah. Was it all together in one bag? Well, that's the thing. It's like or several. I think bags. it was in one bag. Mm. That would be a heavy bag. What if they slipped a pillowcase over the bag, waited for a pillow truck to come by and threw it, and they're like, wow, look at that pillow fly through the air, going right into the pillow truck, off to the pillow place. Like, give these people a medal. A yeah. big brain. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's so big. Julian looked disappointed with I'd that I'd be theory. like, damn, <laughs> well timed. All right, so coming back to the inside job theory, it's worth mentioning that a few weeks prior to the robbery, two employees were stuck in the money room and didn't know how to get out. Now to get out, the two employees made a hole in the wall into the women's locker room slash restroom. That's where the hole in the wall came from. That's why I try not to tease too much of the information coming, but like this whoa. one was hard to dodge. Is this a whoa moment? Whoa. Remember that? <laughs> He's processing. I <laughs> would have never seen that coming. Yeah? Yeah. That wouldn't have been on the top 50 things that I had to, if you, right. you know, to think up of, of how there was a hole in the wall. Mm -hmm. Employees got stuck. And so they made a hole in the wall. Absolutely. Well, the employees themselves did. They said, we're locked in. We don't know how to get out. But the employees themselves made the hole? Yeah. It wasn't I, like right? the company's like, they're locked. Well, I guess like. They found like a loose part of the wall unscrewed. Mm-hmm. And then just shouldered it in. Loose part of the wall unscrewed. This most. There's a lot of pieces here. A lot of pieces. See, I think if you took a vent off, you'd find some loose wall edge that you can get a hold of. Yeah. Otherwise, if it's a big old smooth wall. And always, I would also presume that one of these individuals used the ladies' locker room, or at least knew right. that it shared a wall, because otherwise you could just be digging into, I don't know, and the God wall. God knows where, yeah. yeah. Um, why not just wait? Well, if I was in a money room and I didn't know better, except I watched a lot of movies, I'd be like, the air, the air's getting limited. <laughs> right? Yeah. You know? Damn. It's like, High tech hermetically hell. sealed. Right. But I'm sure that this isn't that kind of thing. I, I would have considered busting the window if it wasn't bulletproof or something. And just going, help, please, God, I'm stuck in a money room. I feel I'll like, throw you one of these bills if you help me out. I feel like there's a system and a shift, all that, mm -hmm. that I would just wait on. And then right. on top of that, I feel like I would get in a lot of trouble or possibly fired. I made a giant hole into the money room. Yeah. That, yeah. It's a, it's a weird pickle to have gotten yourself into. Suspect one and two right there. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. I don't know how they got in there without being able to get out. But either way, they made a hole into the women's restroom slash locker room. This hole was uh, eventually patched, though it is worth mentioning it wasn't... It was patched kind of haphazardly. It wasn't a perfect patch. <sighs> Man, <laughs> Clawson, hey, gotta watch the budgets these days. You know, can't go blowing right. the monthly revenues Shave. on a hole in the wall. Shave a little bit off of the top of that damn <laughs> money room and seal that thing up properly. You know, that, that hole in the wall... I mean, they paid you could have it. you could have gotten a really nice patch for 600k instead you patched it however you did yeah the ten dollar job and you lost 600k uh so yeah you know never never skimp on your security measures measures apparently they were trapped in the wall because the two guards stepped out for coffee that's the longest coffee right and if they stepped out for coffee, I'd still wait. Did they not know that they were in there? They're like, all right, you you keep counting the money. I'm going to go get a coffee. 
you know, rendezvous with somebody. I haven't found anything that says how long they were in there, but I, long enough to kick a hole in the wall. Enough. Right. That that sounds like desperation. That or I, the person got stir crazy like that, like r- lickety split. Exactly. I'm busting a hole in this. I chest. feel like it'd be. At least four hours. I'm not even by myself. I got someone else to hang out with. <laughs> right. I'm gonna get to know that person really well. Right. By the Play time some I get out rock, of there. paper, scissors. Develop That's your strategy. Like somebody's gonna <laughs> exactly. Somebody Learn checks the game. at some point. Like at some point, somebody would be there. Right. I mean, it, it, I like to imagine the security guards like, yeah, no, it was about a five minute break. I got some coffee. Right. Came back. And they busted a hole in the wall. Damn hole in the wall. Yeah. Literally, like the door closed. The person went up and went. It's locked. It started busting the hole in the wall. We gotta get out. (laughs) Okay, so a week before the crime. All right, so we talked about a few weeks prior, get lost, get trapped, hole in the wall situation. I swear, if you tell me that there was an employee Mm -hmm. with a a suspicious background. Oh, well, we'll get into it. So a week before the crime, a notice went out to the employees that the electricity would be out for maintenance the weekend leading up to the crime. From 1.25 to 2.20 p.m., almost an hour, the electricity was out and the money room was reinforced with an extra guard. It's likely that whoever stole the money knew about the hole in the bathroom wall and used it to plan out uh, their attack during the blackout in order to cover up their tracks you know, and get away with it. Or the thieves were the employees who discovered the hole in the wall or made the hole in the wall or the extra guard themselves. Either way, there's a lot of loose ends here and the power was out. So it's theorized the insider was there the day they discovered the missing money and acted as everyone else did, surprised and just typical. Yeah. Oh my God, what? <gasps> whoa. <laughs> like, whoa, Johnson, why are you out of breath already? You, we just saw it. <gasps> I'm normal. Everything's fine. <laughs> why do you smell like money? <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the thing. If the guards, t- Fredo, we need to be guards. We need to be training some guards. Jillian's sniffing and smelling. Get a little sniffing. Get a little sniffing. Jillian, see, the three of us knew if the guards just whiffed and sniffed that money, they could have sniffed this out like a a bloodhound. I can smell you. Right. Why you smell (laughs) like money, Johnson? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that is the MTA heist of 1979 in Brooklyn, New York City. Really interesting stuff. Look. I'm sure Dang. the overall percentage mm-hmm. of like successful thefts isn't that high, right? I mean, sure, there's petty thefts and all that kind of stuff, but still, I think there's probably like a money threshold where it's like, oh, no, it's not that high, right? Like, but this damn show <laughs> makes me feel like people just running out with the bag left and right. <laughs> it's ridiculous, man. Yeah. Seems like it did. I, yeah. mean, I don't know. I'm just a hole in the damn wall in the most secure place. And they were like, cool, money out, done. I mean, just because there's a lot of money in one spot doesn't mean that they're flush with cash. Right. You know, so that money is on its way to the bank to enter the system. A lot yeah. of that money is going to bounce back, pay their individual employees and whatnot, pay, pay for infrastructure. You got a, a large infrastructure, a large mm-hmm. footprint in a very expensive city. But damn it, man, if you couldn't hire a, just a, Capable handyman. Right. Patch that wall up. Right. Lickety split. Seems pretty Maybe important. hang a picture frame over it. Something. Awkwardly low. <laughs> Hello, the task force. As always, this is Trevor. Yours truly coming to you. 
talking directly to your eardrums unless you have Red Web Premium, in which case you're not going to hear this part because this is where the ads are. And if you have premium, you don't have to listen to those ads and you get the show 24 hours early and you support the show directly. Thank you very much, you kind, kind task forcers. It's $2.99 a month, and if you go to redwebpod.com, that is how you can get access to RedWeb Premium, no matter what platform you listen to, by the way. And if you want to go above and beyond and support the show even further for only $5.99 a month, you can go to the Rooster Teeth app or roosterteeth.com. Get yourself a first membership. You get everything I just mentioned around Red Web, but you also get that for every other podcast we make at this company. And you also get an exclusive set of series. We have tons of exclusive premium shows that you will only have access to with that, as well as everything else coming 24 hours early. So it depends on what layer you want to go with. There's premium all over the place, or you could support for free as so many of the task force members have by reviewing us on Spotify and continuing to make us the number one rated podcast about movies, about mysteries here at Rooster Teeth. I just want to say thank you all very much. And if you hear the tiredness in my voice, We just got out of RTX weekend. What a blast it was. Task Force members, you showed up. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. It was so nice to meet so many of you in person. You you made us fan art. You gave us some things. You were decked out in that merch. Somebody came up with with a car. I know we talked about that maybe in this episode. I don't know. Time is a blur now. But somebody skinned their entire car to look like the Red Web Task Force. And it is sick. Luis, thank you so much. If you know, you know. So thank you for doing that. It was really, really cool to see you all in person. I can't wait for next year because Red Web has huge plans that I wish I could tell you because that's a year away. I got to hold on to it. But anyway, with that said, I want to talk to you all about some fantastic sponsors. This episode of Red Web is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. How well would you take care of your car if you had to keep the same one for your entire life? That's how our brains work. So why wouldn't you treat them the same way? How we care for our minds affects how we experience life, so it's important to invest time and care into keeping them healthy. There are plenty of ways to support a healthy brain, like learning a new language or taking power naps, etc., but there's also BetterHelp Online Therapy. I really enjoyed their website experience because you get to go through their portal and you get to answer all of these questions that will help personalize your experience on their website and help them find a therapist that is right for you. And I really enjoyed going through that because it was very simple and very not daunting. I don't know the antonym of daunting, so I'm just going to say not daunting. BetterHelp is online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat-only therapy sessions. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, okay? It's also much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. Task Force, you will get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash RedWeb. That's BetterHelp.com slash Red Web. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Audible. John Hamm leads an all-star cast in The Big Lie, a riveting new Audible original. The story takes place in 1953 during the Cold War when hysteria spread throughout the country over the fear of communism. Hamm plays FBI Special Agent Jack Bergen, who will stop at nothing to shut down production of a film being made in New Mexico by three members of the Hollywood Blacklist. A remote mining town becomes a powder keg of racial and political tensions during the production of the film with the FBI lighting the fuse. The Big Lie is an explosive tale of conspiracy, betrayal, and, oh, temptation. This cinematic audible original 
is presented in seven episodes with a lush, period-specific score by renowned musician David Mansfield and features top-notch performances from a stellar cast. This cast includes Kate Mara, Ana de la Raguera, Bradley Whitford, John Slattery, Giancarlo Esposito, and David Strathairn. The Big Lie was created by John Mankiewicz, and you can visit audible.com slash the big lie in order to listen. Once again, you can go to audible.com slash the big lie to check out a riveting new Audible original. This episode of Red Web is also sponsored by Babbel. For all of your summer travels, whether you're going abroad or staying domestic, and you want to immerse yourself in the culture, now is the perfect time to start Babbel. Babbel is the language learning app that sold more than 10 million subscriptions. Thanks to Babbel's addictively fun and easy bite-sized language lessons, there's still time to learn a new language before you reach your destination. I really enjoy using Babbel because it gamifies the ability to learn a new language and it keeps what I do know fresh in my mind so that way it doesn't atrophy. You know, if I go to France and I want to speak a little bit of un peu de français or if I want to go to uh, Mexico and I want to speak un poco de espanol, I'm much weaker on the Spanish side, but that's what Babbel is here for. For. With Babbel, you only need 10 minutes to complete a lesson so you can start having real-life conversations in a new language in as little as three weeks. Other language learning apps use AI for their lesson plans, but the difference here is that Babbel lessons were created by over 150 language experts. Their teaching methods have even been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps you improve your pronunciation and your accent, which I find to be very important. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, and even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, you can even save up to 60%, that's six zero off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash redweb. That's babbel.com slash redweb for up to 60% off your first subscription. Babbel, language for life. But that said, let's dive right back into the mystery. Yeah, it's it's very interesting. But um, so while that one is kind of like how do they get away with it? Very interesting. The oohs and ahs of it all. Quick, clean job. This next one is the opposite. Whereas the previous one almost feels like yeah, they got away with it, but it feels very messy. This one feels surgical. I'm so deeply fascinated by this one. And as as it unfolds, you'll see more and more of the precision that comes along with it. So let's dive into it. The 7-Eleven ATM robbery that went down in Japan, all over Japan. Oh, okay. Go ahead. I my mind blew for a second. Go ahead, let it blow. This is on April 1st. You're like this very intricate, surgically performed heist at the uh, 7-Eleven. 7-Eleven down the street. What's the catch here? What's going on? Oh no, we're talking big gulps. (laughs) We're we're talking big gulps, hot dogs, and $20. Salmonella. (laughs) I need a Slurpee now. Yep. I need a Slurpee, hold the water, add the sugar. Okay, let's dive in. Because this one's quite recent. And I didn't hear about this one when it went down. Jillian, have you heard about this? No. Let me know if you heard about this, okay? Because... Well, I doubt you did, but May 15th, 2016, okay, very recent, a group of thieves were able to steal $12.7 million or 1.4 billion yen from 7-Eleven ATMs all across Japan. Fredo's taking it in. He's flabbergasted. Okay. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Yep. 
These are just from ATMs. These are from ATMs. Just ATMs. Let me continue, and you're going to see how big this footprint but, is. Okay, yeah. These are just ATMs. I have, I, right. But mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you're going to answer a bunch of these questions, but like, what is the time span in which this was done? Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, oh, that's, yeah. that's huge. Yep. Because all across, I mean, you only have a certain amount of time to hit these before, like, someone catches on. Yep. And then also, start... $12.7 million is a lot of money. That's ATMs have a decent amount of money, but, but like, I mean, come on. Not in that level. What? I don't know. Jillian, is there like an average what the ATM, like, ATMs hold? I would think like what we know 10, we like 10k we'll get in there and talk about the oh, withdrawal okay. maximum oh, okay. per account that will play I just wonder in. how much an actual atm has but no that's a very good question yeah wow this is an okay okay yeah it's spicy very spicy so while jillian looks that up let me kind of expand on this mm-hmm. heist mm-hmm. the atms that were stolen from ranged from tokyo to 16 other prefectures prefectures in japan are essentially more or less states states okay yeah subdivisions of the country uh, but these uh, these 16 other prefectures included Kanagawa, Aichi, Osaka, and Fukuoka. In all, these thieves managed to rob nearly, drumroll please, 1,400 ATMs in a little under, another drumroll, three hours. What? 1,400 ATMs in three hours ranging from 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock a.m. Never mind. That is so fast. You do not have time to react. Mm-hmm. Across the nation, this is a huge, huge effort. I'm sure like reports were still being like filed in during oh, the yeah. three hour time span. That is nuts. This is also, again, I mean, reiterate- they must have had like so many people involved with this. Absolutely. And to reiterate, this was between 5 and 8 a.m super early in the morning, not a lot of activity, and that'll come back because it is a perfect time, and I'll tell you why in just a bit. But the thieves used fraudulent credit cards from Standard Bank in South Africa and withdrew $900 from each ATM. $900, or about 100,000 yen, was the maximum withdrawal amount that these ATMs could facilitate. When you told me the time span for 5 to 8 a.m., mm-hmm. in my mind, my gut check there was like, why do it so early? Maybe you want to do it during a time that's a little bit busier. I don't like, I don't know. I'm not a thief. Like, sure, maybe do it during that time. Not that many people, not that many witnesses. Or the flip side, maybe, but that that could make it easier to pinpoint like who did it, right? Cameras, whatnot during, I mean, it's 2016 technologies, you know, that's 2016 tech's not that much older, but they did it with like fraudulent credit cards. Yeah. Like that is smart. That's, that's modern day heisting right there. Oh yeah. That's nutty. Um that also explains why like it just essentially undetected. Because that's the kind of stuff that's gonna take a while to process on the back end. Mm-hmm. Like that's just a ghost coming in, robbing your ATM and right. then disappearing, essentially. It's oh man, okay. That's so smart. We're gonna we're gonna dive into the intricacies of like how and why this is so precise, but there's a couple other things I want to say to lay the groundwork to help with mm-hmm, that. So, because mm-hmm. obviously this is very crazy, this is wild, but it only gets crazier from here. So, the thieves either stole these cards, these fraudulent cards, from the bank or got the card information through a leak, which these days is very common. I think we're all numb to it to the fact that, like, hey, yeah. by the way, one third of Americans had uh, their social security and their identities all leaked somewhere, and we're all just kind of going, thumbs up, cool with it. But what do you do? 
So it could have come from, from anywhere, but ultimately the ATM transaction data suggests that information from roughly 1,600 credit cards were used to facilitate this heist. It's a lot of cards, a lot of plastic. And the thing too is that each person can hit the ATM multiple times. Yes. One card is maxed out at 900, but if you have yeah, that many credit right. cards, boom, boom, boom. Well, you know, you, you roll in with like five and uh, I mean, you got a lot of money in, in, in one person in one like quick swoop. This is very impressive. Oh, yeah. This is I mean, like these are like like short little like mysteries, but this this might easily just jump up there as one of the top ones for me. That That's, that's oh, yeah. Didn't even. Wow. See, now 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 you're starting to understand Jillian's like who and whoa. Huh? I think it actually, maybe I should flip which one was whoa and which one was huh? Really? I think they're both. I no, think, I, I think I was, it works perfectly. I was very much. Huh? I was a little unsure myself. <laughs> I mean, initially no, I was very much, huh? Like how in the world? Right. Like three hours, what? So in this, again, under three hour period, some are estimating around two and a half hour period. It is reported that over 14,000 transactions took place, Ooh. leading police to assume that there must be to do this across the nation, there must be hundreds of people involved in this theft. As a result, Standard Bank announced that they had lost about 300 million rand, which is the official currency of South Africa and several other South African countries. But that would be about $19 million. And that's the loss that, that the bank saw due to this fraudulent activity. The thieves must have been very meticulous about the planning, as you can tell, due to the timing of it all and the placement of it all. And so we're going to break that down in a couple of factors. One being the places. Why 7-Eleven? Why the bank that they chose, the Standard Bank of South Africa? And then also why these hours in the day? These are three things that all created the perfect storm for this heist yeah. to happen. So when it comes down to the banks, they considered Japan to be a very low-risk country as far as fraud and other crime because of their national low crime rate. And most banks were not accepting international credit cards at ATMs, so that was another factor. I say most banks. The thieves used cards from Standard Bank, which was an international bank, because it made their behavior less likely to be detected in the wee hours of the morning. Basically, totally different sides of the planet. Oh, uh, so the totally time zones. Mm -hmm. And I'll expand upon that too. But furthermore, they targeted 7-Eleven ATMs specifically because these were some of the few across Japan to accept international cards, which makes sense. It's an international kind of staple. It's a franchise. Yeah. And so if you have somebody traveling internationally, they're going to be like, oh, I recognize that place. Let me go take my perchance American card and swipe yeah. it, you know? So that's kind of laying some of the groundwork. And when the thieves began withdrawing from the ATMs, it was around 5 a.m. in Japan, but 10 p.m. in South Africa, creating a perfect window where one nation was very early and one was very late, which is a prime window. Damn, that's smart. To decrease that detection rate. Yeah, yeah. and there's the reason of mm -hmm. that that like uh, little time frame there. It just wow. draws into question for me why, if they're going to be automated on their security, why lessen those bars just because the hours are off, right? Why become lax on any front unless it's because of the human element to it? Like I think so. You know, I think I think people so. are sleeping. People are sleeping. There's less activity going on at night in, in that time zone. I mean, I guess the choice there, it's like either be more lax or spend more, just burn more money on manpower and man mm -hmm. hours just to make sure to protect yourself against a what if. 
Right. That's a, that's exactly it. And so when they're saying, all right, well, we need to decrease costs and increase all of this other mm-hmm. stuff, that's probably exactly what they did. They said, we looked over the data, folks, and we've seen that uh, we've never had a heist happen at 10 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, oops. You haven't had it happen for a very, very long time. Who else is going to like think to do that? Right. So, I, was, I was sorry. I was mentioning yep. earlier, like the thing that's so astounding about this is that it's so low touch. Oh, yeah. Like, I'll, we've we've covered a ton of heists and robberies and all that kind of stuff, um, and just like stealing of money or property and everything. But this is just so slick, right? That's where I say this feels very Ocean's Eleven. If you ever if you've ever seen the movie, mm-hmm. it's basically like a team of a bunch of people, each have a dedicated role, and then they can break down an otherwise complicated heist yeah. into parts to make it. Doable. It's a very fun watch. Yeah, we don't often mention movies on this podcast. No, we don't, and uh, which is weird because we are Rooster Teeth's number one movie podcast about mysteries. That's true. (laughs) Hmm. Anyway, there was a banking security consultant that was on record as saying, "Quote: The thieves were smart in selecting Japan. They found a badly protected ATM network in a low-risk country, guessing that the fraud analytics software would not automatically block the transactions." So the same consultant also said. Quote, if they would have gone to any of the surrounding countries, they would risk detection and blocking by Standard Bank's fraud analytics software. So basically, it's the conjunction of time with the specific bank they used, with the specific ATMs in a specific country that enabled this to just kind of skirt under the radars. So then the bank, it just seems like the bank's software was set to like, a low security threat setting of some sort that allowed it to happen. So I I think what happens is, and this is my rudimentary understanding, is that there are parameters set based on a few functions, right? Some things like a certain dollar amount instantly block. Mm -hmm. And then, for example, if I took a debit card and I went and bought something expensive, my bank would say, hey, was this actually you? They would have blocked it, called, is this you? Yes, it is. Then they approve. And that's and like that's the the dollar threshold. Another element is are you in a different country? Then the dollar element goes away. If you're spending in a different country at all, they're gonna call me. That's me personally. That's just a normal bank that I'm aware of. Yeah. But given that it was Japan, those thresholds were softer. Given that it was 7-Eleven ATMs, they had so basically they found wow, the perfect combination of everything where the bars were yeah. lowered so low that they could get away with it. But anywhere else, it would have been found. Right. That's crazy. That's so smart. So the Japanese bank, 7&I Holdings, owns all of the 7-Elevens in Japan and is one of two banks in the country to allow ATM withdrawals on foreign credit cards. 7&I Holdings and Standard Bank have both been critiqued by cybersecurity experts, rightly so, it seems, for not having systems in place to catch spikes in unusual activity during what would otherwise be known as quiet hours. Basically, to your point, yeah, sure, it passes the vibe check, right? Like, it, nothing is raised a red flag. However, an inordinate amount of activity is happening off hours. That needs to be its own rule. All this stuff is happening on the side when otherwise it's dead quiet. That should flag something, right? Yeah, there should be something in the program that goes, this is odd, mm-hmm. and then just starts blocking everything. I like to think it's like a Homer Simpson sort of situation where it's just a a doofus behind a computer that says yes and no. (laughs) And he's like, he's just staring at the screen eight hours a night, every night. Nothing ever happens. This night, he's like, screw it. I'm going to take a little nap, a little kip, rest my eyes. And then a thing pops up and goes, hey, a lot of transactions happening. 
You want to investigate Y or N? And then they're just like ah, drooling, sleeping. Right. And like, you know, oh my God. Maybe. And would not want to be that person. <laughs> it's interesting timing because I remember when credit cards started having the chips added to them and now they mm -hmm. have the tap added to them. Well, this robbery actually took place when major credit card companies like Visa, like MasterCard, were all implementing the chip on credit cards in order to increase security measures to hopefully avoid fraud like this in the future. At the time, Japanese ATMs were not accepting chip cards, only magnetic strip cards, which are also way easier to, yeah. to man make in like your house or whatever. Like if you have mm -hmm. the data, you can create a magnetic strip and off you go with a card you created. Chips are way harder to yeah. duplicate. So that's like an interesting Oh note. man, the perfect storm. It is also worth mentioning that South African ATMs required a chip card. So that kind of ruled out that destination as a spot to hit. Oh, yeah. Despite, okay. you know, despite it being South African cards. But after the fraud, Visa and MasterCard gave Japan a deadline. Basically like, whoa, that cannot happen. Like, we are going to protect ourselves. Let's give you a deadline. October 1st, 2017. You need to start accepting chip cards. Otherwise, you're going to be risking liability if any fraud comes your way again. Because we, as a company operating in your nation, don't want to be held accountable, right? Remember the bank, Standard Bank lost... 19 mil? 19 mil, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm sure some of that is um, insured. Probably. But damn. But some of that feels like some... negligence, which would not be covered oh, by dang, you're right. Insurance. Look, look, I'm... You damn well know the insurance is going to try and find some kind of loophole. Oh, yeah. Every time. Every time. In 2016, there was an article where authorities claimed to be looking at security camera footage to try to identify these thieves, which is smart, right? ATMs typically come partnered with a security cam, whether on board or somewhere nearby. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until the fall of that very year that any arrests started being made. So we do have some arrests. A little tease for you. Police in Niigata, Japan, arrested 11 men on August 4th, 2016, as they were suspected of stealing 11.4 million yen from 11 stores. Obviously just a dent in the total pool. The suspects ranged from 23 to 49 years old and were accused of not only stealing the funds, but also using counterfeit credit cards. Authorities claimed that some of the men arrested admitted their involvement in the heist. And among those arrested is Junya Tanaka a senior member of a group affiliated with the Yamaguchi Gumi, Japan's largest organized crime organization. The men were identified through analyzed security footage, as I mentioned, which showed them using plain white credit cards in order to make the withdrawal, which makes sense because if they're kind of making their own blanks and then putting magnetic strips yeah, on stolen data. You boom. don't need to stylize them or anything like right. that. Customize fact, it with your favorite picture. <laughs> in fact, you probably shouldn't, right? Like yeah. that only makes it easier to track. <laughs> like this, man, that would be sleek though. This is my credit card. Sir, yeah. that's a blank card. Right. You flip it over, there's just one clean strip. You're like, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. It's Look the at new that. clean card. It's an <laughs> Apple card. <laughs> the Aichi police in Japan also arrested two other men, Tatsuo Nakazono and Katsuya Sahashi, both from the Aichi prefecture in connection with the theft. Nakazono and Sahishi stated that they stole the money in return for tens of thousands of yen promised by an acquaintance just an ambiguous acquaintance, someone that they didn't want to spill the beans on. So essentially saying, hey, we did this heist for someone else and mm -hmm. they promised to give us a cut. And I'm like, why didn't you just keep it, keep it and run? Well, I mean, threats. First and foremost, yeah, threats. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's what I thought it would be like an organized 
you know, this is organized crime. Right. Right. So, I mean, um, the fact... So many people involved. Oh, absolutely. The ages are widespread. From oh, 29 yeah. 29 to 49. Yeah, or, yeah, excuse me. That too. 23 to 49. So, like... Damn, this has... It's crazy because, like, we got people who we knew were involved and we knew who did it. Mm-hmm. But overall, I mean, they still got away with it because there was so many people Definitely. involved. It's like as soon as you mentioned like a hundred people or something like that, I was like, there's no way not one person didn't get caught. Right. And some did still doesn't make up for anything. Mm-hmm. What stands out to me is that clearly the people that perpetrated this crime ended up with the money in hand with the promise of getting a cut of it. So, yes, I think there is threat. There is some sort of pressure here by someone or some entity that's powerful plus the fact that one of the people that was arrested was a senior member of a group affiliated with the Yamaguchi Gumi which that then to me just kind of reaffirms that yes right. this was I a mean, very much an organized crime sort of situation but it good just, luck getting everybody right because no one's gonna tell you anything right um and then also it just seems like they they man they reached out to everybody mm-hmm. that's also a perfect way to separate yourself as a crime organization from a crime, you're like two degrees away. So you're like, well, we didn't do anything. Uh, they're the ones that did it. Sure, we asked them to do it. And sure, we were going to pay them off. But you don't right. know that part, you know? Right. You start getting like the smaller like crime mm. groups that are, you know, within the family or the network. This feels very much like the art heist There's, we talked about. Yeah. With the mafia mm-hmm. having men in play that then did the crime for them. And then it yeah. kind of got like, things then got passed on down the... And that's what makes these things so hairy is because once the crime has happened, the stuff's in the wind. It trades hands like 10 times just to like cut tails. Like, Yeah, and I mean, like, here's the thing. I mean, you can, you know, crack the case and slice through a couple layers, but it's so many layers deep that like you're never going to get to the end of it. You'll you'll never get the true culprit in the end. Yep. So... With regards to this acquaintance, right, that they said that they had promised to pass this money on to, apparently the men had said that they had already passed 1.2 million yen on towards that contact. So some money ended up making it there. And that's just from the people that were arrested. I feel like most of the money ended up getting to the primary target. And before we move on to the theories, just to give some more information with regards to these two individuals arrested in particular and what they did, because they're arrested, so it gives us some insight as to how this went down. They said they withdrew money from ATMs located in two convenience stores, just two, using fake credit cards around 12 times. And so from this, you can start to gather maybe what the true footprint is, maybe how many people were actually out there doing this to two people to hit two stores. So if we're hitting this many stores, 1,400 ATMs, and let's just say that these two folks are like a good average. Two Mm -hmm. people can hit up 12, let's just say two people to take... uh, 40, maybe like 70 people, give or take. Damn. And But that's, you know, assuming that some of these places are all kind of close to each other. They also used the names of two men, so they falsified their identity. One name was from Zimbabwe, and one name was from South Africa. There you have it. I like these little, like, um, short mysteries. A little more bite-sized? Yeah. I don't yeah. know, the bite-sized, I mean, don't get me wrong, I love a long, juicy mystery, and when we really get into the weeds and mm-hmm. things. But these are just, like... I don't know. They're always little firecrackers. Yeah. They they pop off suddenly and then disappear. Yep. It's a nice little pop and then that's (laughs) it. Uh, Man, that's honestly, it's so short. Probably one of the shorter mysteries we've ever done. But I think this one's going to stick with me. 
the nuance of it is yeah. just that's crazy. I can't believe this missed me in 2016. Yeah. How? That's so crazy. I mean, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it wouldn't make it here as international news and maybe yeah. people want to protect their their appearances, et cetera, et cetera. True. But man, I listen, not here to perpetuate crime or promote crime in any way, but I have to give credit where credit's due. Slick. Yeah. Very slick. Right? Very slick. Man. That's an adjective my oh. grandfather taught me. <laughs> Um, I mean, when you introduced it, I was like, oh, my God. It was like <laughs> cutting into a, a well, well, medium rare steak. Well-cooked steak, Ooh. but I don't want to be well done. It's well-cooked well cooked by being but, medium rare. Me, yep, yeah. exactly. And I was like, every little every little slice, I was Dude, like, this is juicy. I saw a new favorite burn of mine where I saw this picture of a steak on social. Jillian, I have to believe you've seen it. It was cooked very thoroughly, like well done. And right. and I feel bad because the person who posted it and it went viral, they were so proud of it. They were like, hey, I cooked steaks with my dad. You know, here, here it is. And like, and then it was also cut open in a way like you don't see a clean cross section. It said it looks yeah. like it was shredded open or yeah. torn open. It's a proper way to actually cut it. It was, it was definitely very well done. <laughs> and, uh, and, and one of the top comments was, sir, that's not well that's not well done. That's a congratulations. <laughs> I'm like, oh, oh. Internet it be funny sometimes. Yeah. But okay, let's talk about the theory. One main theory, and I think, honestly, it's more than theory. I, I, I tend to subscribe to this myself, okay. but let's talk about it. That this went down and was organized due to an international crime organization. Yep. We got the Yamaguchi Gumi, which is very similar to the mafia here in the States and abroad. This group is comprised of the world's wealthiest gangsters who make billions of dollars every year through various means. And this is a pretty long list, but in no way is it extensive Holy or exhaustive. Hell. So operations like extortion, gambling, the sex industry, arms trafficking, drugs trafficking, real estate, construction kickback schemes, stock market manipulation, internet pornography, and apparently financial fraud. ATM oh. heists. Okay. I was, I, looking, thought, I was just looking for a way to really I thought you were going to be <laughs> like, and apparently the selling of smushmallows. I was like, oh <laughs> yeah. my God, they're in the smushmallows. Yeah. And downsizing those kinder eggs that you get every Easter, <laughs> yeah. they get smaller each year. Oh no, the Cadbury cream. The, they all Cadbury. get smaller. Yeah, what are we talking do. about? It's candy inflation. Yeah. <laughs> Keep the prices stable, but the candies but are getting they, they tiny. Get tiny. It's called shrinkflation. Shrinkflation. There you and go. That's one of my favorite subreddits. There's a whole subreddit to shrinkflation? All right, we're going to connect after this episode. Sorry. I need to, I need <laughs> to I mean, get in on that. Yeah, that, that, it's probably it happening. Plays, to, yeah, it plays well. BJ Novak introduced that on, uh, was it Conan's show? It was a late night show where he's like, here's last year's Cadbury egg and here's this year's. And I'm like, that man <laughs> had that in his house ready to go. But yeah, so obviously the, these organized crime efforts like are very exhaustive uh, and include ones they, like we outlined. Right, they don't, believe anything on the table mm -hmm. now when it comes to the authorities they given all the information that they were able to kind of gather from the people that were arrested they suspect more than 100 people were involved in doing this now as far as who is involved behind the scenes behind those 100 the question mark is still out right but we know that at least 11 of these men were involved and were part of the crime organization themselves but we don't know about the rest and we might not ever know so was it 100 people pulled off Craigslist? Some of them involved with crime organizations, some not, some kind of being randos. Perhaps another question worth asking is, were some of these people 
involved or employed at 7-Eleven directly. Maybe this is another inside job. I Who think knows? the I think the big thing is just like well, I mean, if there's such a big organization, I'm sure it's like, well, do you know anyone that is like within the network essentially it's like, hey, you know, mm-hmm. here's a here's a email out to everyone in in the organization. If you know someone that would qualify for this job, like yeah. you know, let us know cuz we need about like 70 people, so that's crazy. It 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 makes me think to go way way back. It's organized crime, man. I mean, you hear the 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 saying all the time, but I mean, like they've got it down. Yeah. It makes me wonder though, like remember Lake City Quiet Pills, mm-hmm. how this supposed organization of hit people, basically like hit men and women that would yeah. go out, snuff out bad targets, sometimes I don't know, targets just in general. Right. They would use the back end of a website to communicate and then they started getting cryptic. Mm-hmm. The question arises in my mind, how does an organized crime network reach out to so many people, some affiliated and some not? Do you just have a really tight ship of like people talking only within the chain? And so there's like a lot of pressure that if you mess up, it's your head kind of thing. Or is there some sort of like, I don't know, like I said, Craigslist for crime. I mean, I assume it's like a corporation, right? Where you have like different levels of management and you kind of like trickle it down Mm -hmm. towards like the department heads. And then from there, it's like, okay, you're part of my department. This is what we're looking for, right? We're all in the crime business. Jillian, you getting this? Obviously, this guy knows a lot. Obviously, Hold on, big right job. Getting a little weird. You know, so you know someone or a friend of someone mm-hmm. or anyone that you think would be qualified for this. I know nothing about it. Right, right. Right. And then Where would I start if I was thinking about this? Um, I mean, right, honestly, like, you know, burner phones would work mm-hmm, pretty well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah. probably meet up at a local area <laughs> where there's a lot of people, very, like, uh, high traffic. Uh-huh. Um, then you, you know, float a couple little notes, uh, something easy you can burn on the spot. All right. I think we got him. This is him. Bag him and tag him, book him and ship him. Come get me. <laughs> no, but really though, you're right. I mean like, dang, it's an organization held together, not by incentives of positivity and payment, but incentives of, I don't, I got in this by accident and I don't want to lose my head. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure uh, and once, power. You, once you start trickling down it becomes less dang. loyalty based and more. Um, threat based. Oh yeah. 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 Okay. That's. Hmm. I'm glad I'm right. If if I was straight if I was the beauty. Right. 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 If hypothetically from a hypothetical like you're very empathetic. So when you look at something like this, you just kind of get it. Exactly. Yeah. Look, I don't know how I understood it, but I just kind of understood it. Well, that has been too. I I mean shorter as far as information, but still big heist. Yeah. Very interesting heist. Taking back to the steak. Mm -hmm. Juicy. Juicy. Those good ones. I like those. Uh, I'm glad we, you know what? I'm glad we did another heist here pretty soon because I, re- I was really interested in the, in the art heist one that we did. We haven't really covered heist heists. Yeah. So we have a good little splash here. We're in that mindset. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we're looking at the next couple of episodes to come uh, following this episode. Jillian and I are meeting, talking about some of those. So, Task Force, keep the recommendations coming. Every single one that you send, we might not reply, but we try to favorite and send those off yeah. to our kind of master sheet of data and information Mm -hmm. Uh, we have a whole room like i said wall-to-wall servers we got the old ones that clickety clack on tape that's where we serve up all we kind of of our data we kind of spent more money on the room itself right right the actual servers well they were antiques too Um, no holes 
There's no holes There's in no this wall. There's no holes in the walls, though. <laughs> See, that's yeah. the thing. You can't have holes in your walls if you cover the walls in those ancient computers that think, like, mm -hmm. as slow as a dog. And they're <laughs> bricks. <laughs> in fact, this mystery, or at least the 7-Eleven mystery, was recommended to us by Rooster Teeth first member Eat Crab. Love the name. So thank you for that. Keep those recommendations coming. Really appreciate them. Sometimes they're going to feed into episodes like this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they're going to feed over to our TikTok channel. If you want to follow us over there at The Red Web, where we do some mini mysteries whenever we get a chance. Not always consistent, but we do have that as an outlet. Uh, otherwise, thank you for continuing to review us on Spotify, Apple, and everywhere. And Fredo, I'll see you right back here next Monday for another mystery. I had nothing to do with this robbery. Mm -hmm. Where's Christian? Oh. <sighs> Yeah. Plot twist.